This podcast is proudly supported by Drama Victoria. Consider becoming a Drama Victoria member today. We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record. We record on the land of the Wurundjeri Willem people. We pay our respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we are joined by one of the coordinators of the VCE Theatre Studies and Drama Network, Mr Brendan Carroll from Peninsula Grammar. We are going to be talking all about the VCE Drama Written Exam, Section A and Section B, how to use your reading time and maybe some things to do in preparation for that special day. Without any further ado, I bring you Brendan Carroll. Welcome, Brendan. Thank you very much for having me, Mr. Waxman. It's uh, always a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for all the hours you've given to the aside. So the VC Drama Written Examination, it is coming up. It's only a few weeks away. And we thought it'd be a great opportunity to talk through how to approach it. You've got 15 minutes of reading time and you've got 90 minutes of writing time. How do we do it? And I thought I might talk through the advice I give to my students and then you can let me know what you think about that and then we can wax lyrical about that for a little bit. Does that work for you? Yeah, that sounds great. Let's go, let's go for it. Super. Now, we know going in, it's likely to be in the two sections and those two sections are going to be one about the production and performance that you have seen already and then unseen stimulus. Yeah. I th- yeah. yeah. So that section A, likely, that's going to be about a production that you have seen you get to prepare within reason a lot of different responses for that. You can go through the written exam over the last few years and look at all the questions they've asked about all the productions you've seen. You can look at the study design, look at the dot points. You know the kind of questions that are going to come up. You know the things that they're going to be asking you about. So if you're listening to this podcast and you care about preparing for the written exam, you can start by looking at examples of all the questions that they're going to be asking. They're going to want to know about expressive skills and how they create characters. They're going to want to know about the performance skills. They're going to ask about the dramatic elements and potentially conventional for moving beyond reality of life as lived. They might ask about theatre styles. There's things that we know. So I think it is a a bit of a waste of time in the reading time to spend more than two or three minutes on section one because, or section A, I should say. Section A is going to be questions that you are basically guaranteed to know what they're going to be within reason. You know the kind of things they're going to ask and you've probably practised an example of lots of the questions that they've asked already. So to spend a lot of of your reading time focused on how you're going to answer those questions might be a waste of time. Yeah. Then Then you can dedicate a good 12, you know, 11, 12 minutes to breaking down this unseen stimulus and really thinking about it and coming up with ideas and reflecting on shows you've seen and, and videos you've watched and workshops you've had in class and really come up with different ideas for where you could go with this unseen stimulus. That, that's my breakdown of the reading time. What do you think? Yeah, look, I'm going to say something. It's probably probably a little bit radical, okay? Are we ready for this? Are we okay with radical ideas on this podcast? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> my, my radical idea is that, you know, during... I mean, I think during the year, I mean, as you are doing your sacks throughout, you know, in drama, you're usually keeping you know, your answers quite private to yourself because you, you want to do your best and you want to be the best in the class and you want to get, you know, in terms of the ranking, you probably want to get up there. But then when it comes to the exam, you're not versing in, I mean, versing is the wrong word to use, but you're not, um, you know, being ranked against the people in your class anymore. You're suddenly 
the exam is 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 um, something that's shared with with everyone in the studying drama in the whole in the whole state. So now suddenly you are up against everyone else that, that, that's in the study. So this is where you should be actually coming together with your class before this exam starts and sharing your best answers and sharing all the good work and looking at what's worked well and what hasn't and saying, hey, let's write an answer for this. Let's, can I see your answers from your sack for this? Can I, you got a, you know, high marks in your sack for this, for this area. Can I have a look at that? And actually sharing it together. Most, most classes work in collaborative spaces like you know, OneNote or Google Docs or Teams or whatever it might be. And so we, you are able to actually share and look at things, make a collaborative space and, um, and actually start reading really good answers from your class um, because, you know, your class has obviously gone to see the, the same show together and you've talked about the same scenes and moments. Um, so you can actually like start to look at it and go, okay, this is really good stuff here. Let's learn, let's grow together. You can always, studying with other people and, and collaborating is always far better than just being singular and doing it as an individual because you're just going to have the same, you know, the same examples, the same um, you know, uses of terminology that you have practiced and you know. But when you, when you grow and learn with others, you start to adapt to the best parts of their learning as well. And so um, I always say to my class, when it comes to the exam, don't be private anymore, okay? Collaborate, learn together. That's my radical idea. And I think I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit tongue in cheek when I say radical, but, but at the same time, also, uh, I also know that a lot of students are private to the very end. They're like, no, I don't want to share my answers because then they'll do better than me. Well, that's actually not true. You'll get better and, um, and you'll, you'll build each other up. Absolutely. And on that one note, on that Google Doc, making sure potentially that you're building vocabulists as well, vocabulists of the expressive skills used to create characters in that play. So you went and saw a play, you know what the characters are. How many different ways can you describe all those characters? How many words can you have just ready to go to describe their expressive skills, their facial expressions, their gestures, their movements, their voice? What have you already got? So when you get a question like that, you don't have to think about how they created that character. And that goes to what you were saying about going back and looking at your sacks or sharing things. You know, you did well in your expressive skill question and I did really well in my performance skill question and you did really well in the dramatic elements question. If we all share together, we're all going to actually build ourselves up. So I think that's excellent advice before you even head into the exam. So you've got a huge bank of words ready to go and you've got lots of examples from all of your classmates. And, and we know, well, you and I probably know that the, our students are also on the Facebook groups. There are Facebook groups out there dedicated to each study design. So you don't have to just keep within your class, although that's easy to do. You can find the most motivated people online as well. I know there was a few people in my class that jump onto the, onto the theater studies and drama uh, forums. Mm. I love that you're talking about the, um, the terminology list there and, and, and that sort of stuff because, I mean, most, most classes and most schools will have like some sort of terminology or glossary bank um, that they build up throughout the year. And that's something that you can share as well. And you can, set, you can look at other people's terminology and glossaries and, and you might go, hey, actually, well, your, your definition of climax, contrast and conflict are much better than mine. Um, so let's work that in. And you've got some really good examples from, from a few of the shows we saw. So, um, you know, so you, can, you can just build up that sort of base. This is the base we're talking about here. It's that base level of knowledge before you even start doing practice questions, before you start doing other things that just is a great foundation to build a house on. And you all want to, you know, we talk about the exam, sometimes I'll talk about the, uh, the exam is like building a house. Um, you've got to have a really solid foundation first of like, you know, good glossary, good terminology, um, you know, great notes, great understanding before you can start doing practice answers. Otherwise your house is going to fall over if you're building it on mud. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I also great structures to great ways to answer questions. And on that, 
this, perhaps the last thing is to make sure you have evaluative terminology because evaluations have stopped being about saying successfully and effectively at the start and the end, but about actually Im, you know, embedding this an evaluation, this judgment call. You are talking about this work uh, in, the, in the 21st century, in, in the year 2021, and why it was important and why it mattered and why it moved you and, and what it was doing and why it was doing and why the creatives did that. So moving beyond yeah. just successfully and effectively into really discussing the power of the work and how affecting it was. Yeah. 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 So I, I love that you talked about the, the emotional stuff and um, you know, certainly a, uh, an evaluative answer is a value judgment. You know, how did it make you feel? Um, we, we often talk about move, you know, being moved emotionally by theater and that's the reason we go right to feel fear and suspense and love and joy and um, overwhelming, you know, so, so how was, you know, if you're talking about how an element was used and you have to evaluate on it and certainly talking about being moved emotionally, I feel it's probably the easiest way to evaluate. Yeah. Great. How successful was it in moving you? Great. Love it. Yeah. So, so that's, Hey, that's some solid advice for the, for the first two or three minutes that you're spending in the written exam, those few moments of reading those questions, reading them and going, ah, oh, what do I have ready for this? What's in my bank? What have I trialed in class? What have I already written already? Of all the practice exams I've done, what kind of questions are similar? So you're not feeling like you're you're opening the written exam and you're, and you're drowning because you, you don't know what it's going to say. I think it's pretty fair to say that the questions should not surprise you in section A at all. No, not at all. There's only, there's only so many ways you can be asked the same things. Now, yeah. The questions have to be general enough that they can apply to any of the plays on the playlist as well. So they're going to be very general questions. You're not going to get a specific you know, question there. So yeah, that you should you shouldn't be surprised by anything in section A. And then comes section B, uh, the unseen Ooh. stimulus, where it, you know, it really favorite really. Section. Pardon, sorry. My favorite section. My favorite, absolutely. This is what VC drama is all about within reason. This is why lots of people come to do VC drama because they get to make and create and design and you know become the actor, director, creator extraordinaire. And I think it's a really fun part of the exam and it, it's a really great indication of your understanding of a range of different ideas that are taught throughout VC drama. Uh, yeah. I, I remember actually like when I, even when I was in year 12 doing this part of the exam, there's, there's Hardly an exam that I would call fun, but it, this is the closest it got because I remember that the, I was sort of thrilled by the idea of like, it can be absolutely anything and we don't know until we see it. And then I just have to, by the power of my creativity, come up with something on the spot and make it sound good through language. Um, and that's your challenge here is to, to really be visceral and describe your ideas in, in great detail. And, be, and when I say visceral, I'm talking about, you know, what it felt, looked, sounded like using lots of adjectives to really help your assessor understand and see in their mind's eye exactly what you're seeing as you're thinking about it. Yeah. Try not to be too general, be really specific. And, and the other thing you can probably prepare for this, uh, this section B, I know we talked all about preparing for section A, but the idea of preparing really clear activities for the researching, brainstorming, improvising, scripting, editing, rehearsing, refining sections, making sure you have yeah. you know, three or four different activities ready to go that aren't always hot seat, although hot seat is perfectly fine <laughs> uh, in improvising. You know, What are some things you've literally done in class? What are some things you've been actually involved in and, and being part of? Make it real and true. So if you've got three or four activities in, in each of those ready to go, then I think you'll be in, in a great position. And, and you and I actually talked through a few of those uh, last time we spoke when we did a reflection on the assessor's report and the exam for for last did, year most students have a few activities for researching brainstorming and improvising 
those three in particular. But when it comes to scripting, editing, rehearsing, and refining, they don't. Um, you know, that's that's where it sort of falls apart. So you want to think, okay, scripting. Um, you know, what what are three different ways that we that I could script or they did script when I made my solo or when I made my um, yeah when ensemble. we made the ensemble. So you know, actually having like differing ways that scripting happened, whether it was like you know, writing, whether it was dot pointing ideas and then improvising those ideas and then and then turning those dot points into a script or whether it was having beats that you wanted to hit. Um, you know, we're going to do this performance, we're going to do this scene, we have to hit this beat, this moment of narrative, this moment of the narrative, and then turning that into a script. Think of different ways that scripting can work or, or rehearsing or refining um, the work that you're doing. I think that, I think that we, we focus a lot on the first three, researching, brainstorming, improvising, but we don't really focus on the next four. Yeah, and the difference between rehearsing and refining something and getting that feedback. And also remember with scripting, scripting can happen, you know, before you walk into the room and after you've improvised. Like there's, you can you can script a small section, just a few lines or an entire scene. Uh, you can break it up into 10 second chunks. And like this, like you just said, there's so many different ways to talk about that. Rehearsing, yeah. other words, like trialing and experimenting and playing. And then the refining is all about that feedback, isn't it? Yeah, getting yes, feedback yes. from someone like filming it yourself and getting feedback or getting someone in and getting feedback or getting different people to give you different feedback from different perspectives. So absolutely. Yeah. When this is getting to run up to time, you know, you're going over the seven minute mark in your solo. Um, so you have to you know, re-script and then re-rehearse and re-refine um, to get it under. So, you know, trimming the fat, you know, that can be part of refining as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it's not a huge tip, and I'm sure no one will be surprised by this, but in section B, just, just make sure if it is a question that is asking you to write a solo, please make it a solo. And if, <laughs> if it is a question asking about an ensemble creation, please make it an ensemble, because I think lots of students can lose points and marks there. When I say lose marks, you actually don't lose marks in the exam. You're not awarded marks. So never think you're going to have marks deducted, just you won't have marks awarded because maybe you confused solo and ensemble and you start talking about other actors in the space when there's only supposed to be one. So, you know, I, I know that's an obvious thing to say, but I think each year students, you know, they get caught up and excited and they start. Um, thinking beyond the scope of the question. Yeah, that happens often. Um, now, something else I want to say for this this section, um, for or both sections, section um, B for the ensemble and for the solo, is um, a great way that you can prepare for this. Well, first of all, what's the skill here? You have to be able to describe the you know, the, the playmaking and the building of an ensemble and, and a solo, and and visualize it on the page. So where do the best ideas come from? They often come from things you've seen before, right? And adaptations of what you've seen before. So I think the best way to prepare for this section of the exam is to literally before the exam and the weeks coming up and as, you, as you're doing your, um, your revision is to re-watch and re-see solos and ensembles. So maybe perhaps you recorded the solos and the ensembles in class, maybe not, who knows? But if you have, it, it's great to get it up onto a OneDrive or, or you know, um, some sort of collaborative area where you can watch them again, not just your own work, but the work of others. Um, because if you can watch, you know, a few solos that were really, really good that you were really impressed by and go, what do I really love about this? Is it the, the timing and the tension of this person's characterization? Is it the application of production roles and what they're doing? So look at some things and, and just go, that is super impressive. I would love if I get a chance to write about something like that. And you can start to make a list of things that you might write about given the chance. 
Um, we, we all know that we don't always get the chance because it, your questions might lead us in different directions. But if you just have a bank, a wealth of information ready to go about beautiful moments that you could write about, and perhaps that you might be able to work them into your, your exam, I think that's a really great way to prepare. Watching, watching, watching. If by chance you didn't um, film your uh, your solos or your, your ensemble, then perhaps you could get it together with a few friends and perform your solos for each other and film it. Um, and you could watch it a few times. Or maybe you could watch some ensemble-based work that's not you know VCE drama, but um, you know that is online. For example, you know I think um, there's a few recorded um, plays that you can watch online. Even even I know Come From Away is on Disney Plus right now, and that in itself has little beautiful moments of ensemble in it. Um, so you could you could look at you know professional versions as well. I think it's good though to have not just what you did as your only reference um, for being able to write in this exam. You want to look at what other people have done in your class professionally, wherever it may be. Absolutely. I think, as I say to my students, steal, steal, steal thievery. Art is thievery. Nothing is original. Go out and look and see. The more experiences you have and the more videos you've watched, and there's just heaps of stuff. If you type in HSC Ensemble uh, into the your Google device, you'll get so many YouTube videos of different ensembles and moments, often it's sometimes inspired by the same stimulus, sometimes by really different ones. You can see a broad spectrum. And that's just in you know New South Wales and Victoria. You start looking at GCSE ensembles and um, American schools that create beautiful uh, ensembles as well. There's hundreds and hundreds of hours of videos uh, to watch and be inspired by. I think that's amazing advice. And I'm, I'm glad that you and I do the same thing because the, you know, the more you know, the more you understand, the more experiences you have, the more you can draw from in the exam. Steal that from that and steal that from that and steal that from that. And it becomes something brand new. Yeah, great. And you can, and I like to collect it all together into the one space, like the one collaborative space. So you just had, you're just reminded of it. And you can go into the exam, like, you know, the morning of just sitting down, scrolling through all the videos you collected, going, oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. You'll be, you'll have so many ideas. You won't know which good one to use. And that's where you can use your 10 minutes for, hey, your reading time to really think about, yeah. hey, what am I going to do here? What am I going to do here? What am I going to do here? Great. Well, you know, I'm inspired to go and do another written exam. I don't know about you. Uh, but do you have any last bits of advice uh, for everyone before they jump into their exam? Yeah, I do. I think um, I think something that we, I mean, stimulus images. I want to talk about stimulus images because you get these beautiful images and you, you have to refer to them. Questions will ask you to refer to them. I always say, even if the question doesn't ask you to refer to a stimulus image, you should still be using them and referring to them in your answer. Uh, but when you refer to a stimulus image, what do you do? What are you looking for? Um, and I always say that the, that you should be looking at not just what is the image of, but what, um, you know, what sort of like, uh, I'm going to say codes and conventions because I'm, I'm thinking about my media brain right here, being a media teacher as well. But what, you know, you're looking at pattern and colour, um, you're looking at like the texture of some things, you're looking at objects in the background and foreground, the placement of things. Um, you might be looking at the mood projected by it. You might be looking at... Um, you know, references towards, um, you know, people and, and ensembles. There's so many things you can pick out from the, um, from the stimulus images. I think that rather than just saying, oh, I'm going to use the picture of the man with his mouth open and, I'm, you know, and being quite literal about it, we go, you might actually look at like, oh, okay, this, this person is drawn. They're very blocky. Um, they're, they've got two tones of colour on their face. Like look at like the way that, look at the aesthetics is what I'm talking about. Pull aesthetics out of the stimulus images and use that in your design. It could it could go towards characterization. It might go into the way you know, the the Laban movements of characters. Um, I just think if you're looking at the aesthetics of the picture and pulling out references, that's far stronger than just simply referring to the content of the picture. 
couldn't agree more 100%, absolutely. And I think maybe I should add just at the end about theatre styles and conventions. And we have an episode of The Aside all about uh, conventions of theatre styles, conventions versus intentions. And I think it's really important to, to know the conventions of the theatre styles you're going to be looking at, uh, the intentions of those, and, and why you might use them in your solo or ensemble. So you can speak with sophistication when they ask you to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, um, and, you know, just on that um, and on the idea of collecting videos it might be great to have like you know a little example of of something that's done in in epic theater style something that's done in theater of cruelty something that's done in in poor theater style so that you have a good knowledge of what poor theater epic theater or theater of cruelty and others look like we know that those three are generally our base in drama and then you can build upon that as well but if you have a good foundation house isn't going to fall down well done well thank you so very much for your time today brendan carroll that's okay, Mr. Waxman. It's been a fantastic. It's been a pleasure as always. I can't <laughs> wait to next year to discuss to to chat about the you know or the perhaps chatting about the um the exams once they're over and going through and figuring out how we would have answered each question. I think that'll be fun. I'll see you soon then. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. That is all from us at The Aside. A huge thanks to Brendan Carroll for giving us his time. There are a number of episodes on the VCE drama written exam as well as theatre styles and vocabulary, so please do go through our list of episodes to find one that piques your interest. I'm sure there's something that can help. Of course, you can email us at asidepodcast.outlook.com to ask us a specific question, and we could create an episode just for you. It happens all the time. Feel free to reach out. Huge thanks to Eltham College for letting us record here, to Aaron Searle for providing the music, to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support, and of course, thank you for listening. <laughs>